Good day, Brigade. This is Bobby, and welcome to the Tuesday Talk. Today we're going to be going on a little bit more about, well, contract negotiations with my union and the company I work with, mostly because it's the biggest news so far that seems to be going around, at least in this particular area, and it can arguably have application to larger context. Especially in America, where it seems the labor movement's starting to get a new breath of life after a very, very long time. Anyways, a fact for you. Um, depending on... Okay. If. Sorry. Theoretically, there are 7,920,000 telephone numbers per area code in the United States. Now this could apply to other countries as well, as long as they use a seven-digit phone number with a three-digit area code beforehand. But, yeah, there are 7,920,000 possibilities. So odds are you haven't used, we haven't used every phone number yet. Anyways, on with the talk. So, as we stated earlier, we are going to be discussing the union and company's breakdown in negotiations, the fact that I'm going on strike tomorrow, and what all that entails, and what exactly is going on. So, for a little bit of background context, I work for a company called King Supers, which is a subsidiary of Kroger, which is basically a large grocery train in the United States. As an employee there, I work as a meat clerk, which basically means my job entails anywhere from stocking, to cutting meat, to serving out of a counter, to unloading, loading, all sorts of fun stuff, that kind of thing. On paper, I'm stated as part-time. However, I do work 40-hour weeks, and this is the norm. However, this in itself doesn't really have much to do with the negotiations themselves, except for on a few technicalities. But anyways, negotiations have been occurring since mid-December. I believe December 14th was the first talk, if I remember right. And through this time, Kroger and King, or King Supers more rather, through Kroger, or Kroger through King Supers rather, sorry, has been engaging in various unfair labor practices and honestly has been just offering crap. Like, absolute fucking crap. So, what has been done? Well, the union, the United Food and Commercials Workers, Local 7, UFCW, has decided to file complaints with the National Labor Relations Board. What is the National Labor Relations Board? It was a board that was established by the NLRA, the National Labor Relations Act, in order to act as a sort of third-party governmental mediator, arbitrator sort of kind of thing, and quasi-labor court, quasi, because it's not actually 
but basically they function as this authority when negotiations and contract disputes between unions and companies break down or when a company engages in unfair labor practices or things like that. So what kind of unfair labor practices is the company being accused of? Well, the unions have accused them of three major things. The first thing that they've been accused of is that they are engaging in concealing information that is vital to negotiations. These, this information would be stuff that would provide a means for the union to be able to negotiate something fair and reasonable that would help both balance out the needs of the workers with the desires and the profitability of the company. Without this vital information, it's kind of hard to negotiate a reasonable contract. Number two thing they've been doing is giving out selective raises to certain specific areas in order to hire new people while simultaneously giving absolutely no pay raise to the people who are currently working for them. Now, under the contract that was set that expired on the 8th, and is still technically being honored-ish. It's hard to explain. It's not something that the company is allowed to do, as there is a set wage board there, and wage increases are based on a particular formula that partially includes the minimum wage, a percentage above it, and how pay increases work on there. There's basically a whole system set in place. For the company to not consult the union and then go ahead and just increase pay raises, pay raises for people just now being hired into the company, keep in mind this isn't scab workers right now. This is during the legitimacy of the contract. In which, in that contract, there's also a clause that they cannot hire scabs, but that's another thing entirely. Well, anywho, they'd been hiring these people in specific areas at higher rates than they'd hired anyone else, and are really not giving any raises out to any of these people in those areas either. Nor are they giving out raises just across the board unless you're the CEO who got a 20% raise for the Kroger company. Yeah, fun fact. Well, not so fun fact when you think about it. <laughs> Anywho, the third thing that they are being accused of, and I apologize, I have to relook this one up, because I did not have it written down. Ah. Well, anyways, a little more background on the contract before we go into a bit further. As per agreement, the union wouldn't hold any strikes during the life of the contract, and the company would in turn not hire any scabs or anything like that during the life of the contract as well. Naturally, as negotiations started to break down, the union went to ask for authorization to call for a strike based on these other unfair labor practices, and in turn, the company started hiring scabs. However, it should be noted that, at least in some places, they waited until the life of the contract expired, at least in my particular store, from what I could tell, anyway. Note, there's a lot of precursors there, so it may have been the case that they actually had and I didn't, simply did not notice. 
But this is kind of where the contract's starting to break down. Okay, wow. They have been involved in a lot more than I thought with the NLRB. And wow, they have... Wow. Well, it looks like we're definitely heading... It's a lot more complicated than just a simple issue. Anyways, sorry about the prolonged dead air there. We were not trying to do that. But it seems as though both King Supers and the Union have filed complaints and all that. And we very well could be heading towards an arbitration process with the NLRB. However, tomorrow's strike will commence and the company is likely to go forward with going pushing for their scab workers and all of that. It is also said that Colorado Springs areas will not be striking, which kind of brings up an interesting thing and one has to question what's going on there, especially since the authorized strike vote for them was at least a 90 plus percent. In fact, it was almost 100% across the board. It was near unanimous. Granted, I don't know how many people have abstained, and that's a whole lot of other demographic that's a whole lot of other voter information and stuff that we currently do not have access to. But as we get more information, we will definitely keep everyone informed. Anywho, it should be noted that yes, King Supers has in fact engaged in some unfair labor practices, and they do not treat their workers as properly as they should. For example, you can go down to Southwest Plaza, the Southwest Plaza area, just down the street a little ways, and work at a McDonald's and get about the same pay rate I'm getting right now after having worked at a King Supers for five plus years. As of current, the company's proposal is to give a $3 raise over the course of three years, which is in turn subject to the possibility of decrease depending on economic conditions. As of current, they do not have that ability in the contract to lower pay rates due to economic conditions not improving or going down on the decline. Which, obviously, why the hell would you do that? That's a horrible thing to do to your workers. Especially when they just made you your largest fucking profit ever. Not joking either. You can look it up. Kroger made their largest profit ever. Anywho. In turn, the union is asking a bit of a heavy price tag, but honestly, when you consider the life of the contract and what it's meant to do overall, 
it kind of starts to make a little bit of sense. Basically, it would ask for an immediate $6 pay raise, a smaller four-tiered system as opposed to like an eight-tier system for wage increases, so that weight maxing out at your wages is a lot easier, and the overall wages would be improved. Now, this isn't the only thing on the contract, obviously. There's a whole bunch of other stuff to go through. Another thing that they keep trying to bring into this as well is ending the whole closed union open, closed, ending the whole union shop concept and limiting the ability for the union to collect dues. Now, this is where the topics get a little more debatable and a little bit more of a well, what about this, or what about this, and things to consider here and there. And we actually just got a text from our union right now. And it looks like an update on the whole strike news. Let's take a look at it, shall we? And we did just get this, keep this in mind. This is from the union, so there is the likelihood of it being skewed more towards a favorability towards them. But do keep in mind that the company also has in turn been writing things skewed more favorability towards them as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get some information on that too, so that we can try to give as much of a balanced view as possible. Though I will admit, I am definitely much in favor of the union in this particular case. So... At least according to their flyer, the most recent offer includes Oh, well, there was that first thing that we mentioned. Man, this provides a lot of, you know, be concerned about this, but it doesn't really provide a lot of information now, does it? Well, it would definitely introduce gig workers first and foremost into the company, which actually isn't a thing. Right now, under the contract, you have to be able to work a minimum of 20 hours, with the exception being, like, school children and all that. So, you know, that they can still go to school and all that without having to put more work in than they can. It would also cut down, it would also allow for the forced working across department, or allow for the permitting of working across departments, rather than just being within your limited department. For example, as a meat clerk, right now I can only be made, I can only work in the deli, a bakery in specific positions, and weirdly enough in a Starbucks. Yeah, weird, right? <laughs> I have technically the qualifications to work in a Starbucks. That's not really here nor there, but under the contract, that is the, those are the only three places I can be asked to work. If they were to pass through the, this new measure, they could call me up to the front to work as a cashier or things like that, and potentially even cut my wages by that method. Because, oh, well, you were a cashier at this time, so you do not get this wage. You get a lower wage. Not only that, but it's kind of a bit much to ask someone who doesn't really work with a cash register to run a cash register. 
I have worked with cash registers before in the past, but trust me, it is not something I, I can do comfortably. Another thing that the union is trying to push for, and personally my own jury is not too favorable towards it, but I can see it being something that a lot of people want, especially with the events of many mass shootings having occurred. A lot more so and a lot more often than we'd like. But the proposal to add armed security guards. Now as of current, there are already security guards in general. What this would do would be allow them to be armed. Now that leads to a lot of debate and personally I don't feel comfortable with it because historically when companies hire armed security guards for their companies, they do not do favorably for unions. Pinkerton, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, beat with a brick. So you can see why I might be a bit concerned about that. On the other hand, I do see people's concern about, oh, mass shooters and all that. But this seems like it's a greater societal problem that maybe we should probably work out by talking through things and maybe promoting more towards mental health and things like that that might help lower these rates in general and, you know, make it less likely that someone's going to be doing this rather than trying to put a band-aid on a broken leg. Which is, oh, well, if we have our own guns, then we'll be safe. Uh, hold up there. <laughs> and this is the most important thing I can never not stress enough. In fact, an example of a police officer that died by her own weapon kind of proves this point. It doesn't matter whether or not you have a gun. It matters whether or not you're able to use your gun before it is either A, used on you, or your opponent uses one of their own. It's less about the gun and more about your skill. That being said, armed security guards wouldn't necessarily be the answer, which is why we need to address the deeper issue. And the deeper issue seems to be our society is a little bit unstable right now. I know it's kind of hard to hear that, especially in America, because, well, you don't seem to think that'll ever happen in the American Union, do you? Because we've lived for so long in this quote-unquote prosperity. But here's the thing. It hasn't really been a prosperity as much as an illusion of prosperity. We were only able to build ourselves this way because we were able to do the things that needed to be done to provide for the people who needed it most, and in some cases do horrible things to oppress people who needed our help even more. But we can improve from that. We can help as many people as we need. We just need to be smart about it. And frankly, the simple add guns because someone else has guns is literally fighting fire with fire. If you want to settle the issue, you have to address the mental issue, health issues that lie beneath. You have to address the anger and discontent of the society as a whole. You know, take the wind out of people's sails for wanting to do something that fucking insane. Because, you know, no matter how you look at it, it's fucking insane. Anyways, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about the union and contract negotiations. The contract proposal would also allow them to open non-union stores, which, again, this is kind of getting a debatable one, but at the same time, if the workers voted to unionize, 
And the idea is to allow the shops to union, that's kind of an already agreed upon thing. Yeah, they have the right to change it, and you can argue on a lot of things here, but really when it comes down to it, it's a more debatable issue. So, what else have we got? Well, that seems to be about it. And other than the... Uh, other than the... Crap, lost my train of thought here. Train of thought derailed. It appears there were no survivors. Oh yeah, other than the labor law violations and the contractual dispute law violations that both seem to be arguing. That seems to be the bulk of what we are talking about here. Now, of course, there are other additional issues, like, for example, the company's proposal includes nothing about pension plans or anything like that. In turn, it's kind of hard to know what all the union's saying, especially when they haven't no one has quite given just a full-on contract to just send to the workplaces. And that's kind of what disappoints me, is neither side is sending their actual proposal. They're sending, well, a he said, she said flyer series between one another. And I can tell you right now, I'm not super confident in the people who write the company's flyers, mainly because a lot of what their writing style is is similar to writing style I would use when I would try to convince someone of something that I know they wouldn't ordinarily accept. And you also have to consider that with their last two offers, they offered a signing bonus. The first signing bonus was $2,000. First off, did you know signing bonuses in the United States are taxed? Pretty heavily too. And secondly, Usually when someone offers you some, a lot of money to agree to something, it's usually because you wouldn't ordinarily agree to it on your own. So, what was the second signing bonus they offered? This is where it gets crazy. The second signing bonus that they offer was $4,000. I kid you not. At least from what I've read, between the two proposals, or between the two the multiple flyers the two keep sending. And when it comes to that, it's like, wow, you're insane. If you can offer that $4,000 bonus to everyone, why can't you offer a simple raise? A raise that would actually be substantial. A large part of the reason why the union is trying to get a $6 immediate raise for everyone per hour is to deal with what would be impending economic recession and hardship. A lot of people are believing at this point the United States is going to go into an economic downturn. And there are a lot of signs that indicate that. And right now, inflation is one of those biggest concerns. Now we can go left and right and back and forth on who caused what and what did what. But at the end of the day, the fact remains that unless we do something quick, downturn is likely to happen. And we need to be prepared for that. 
And that's where that initial raise comes in. Because that high increase is meant to deal with combating inflation over the life of the contract. Each contract is currently dealt at a three-year interval. The company wants to increase that to a four-year interval as well. That is another one of their proposals. But when it comes down to it, ultimately we need to start further. We need to start working towards a profit-sharing idea. Now this is not the union's beliefs, this is not the company's beliefs. This is my belief, and by extension, the belief of the brigade. You don't have to accept it as your own, but please do listen. I believe there needs to be some sort of profit sharing established. For example, it is entirely possible that the company could give each worker within the union a single share. Give a share of the company to each worker. Now they can choose to sell this share, keep this share, use this share for voting power or what have you, but at the end of the day, give each worker a share. In fact, in large part, that's what helped Disney get rid of Michael Eisner is many of the workers and people who loved the ideas of the original Walt Disney and all that used what little shares they had to pull together their resources and basically commit economic democracy. Voted out Michael Eisner and, well, Bob Iger was brought in. That's not really important, but the idea still is. If you can give a profit-sharing option to your workers, you can begin the first steps towards cooperatization. Can in turn then give more shares to your workers as a sort of reward. Not only that, but you could also do this magical thing called give them raises as well, which would be great by the way. I'd very much like a raise, especially since I'm looking to get a house soon. Yeah, that's a fun thing happening in life. But I'm trying to find a unicorn, so you know, don't get too excited. <laughs> a cheap house in Denver, that is a unicorn. Anywho. <laughs> Work towards some sort of cooperatization. Make it so that the company is more a part of the workers itself. So that way the workers have some sort of invested interest in the company and the union and the company become less competitive and more cooperative. Eventually we can do away with both the CEOs of the company and the, C and the heads of the union and work towards creating a proper cooperative. Did I just suggest unity? Yes I did. Am I absolutely insane for thinking it might work? Absolutely. What we just discussed is a pipe dream at best. Because this would require both the company and union to give up power. And while I personally prefer the union to the company, realistically speaking, you know the brigade's position on economics, and we are very much a cooperative economics team. Which unfortunately means, union, you gotta learn to be as much of the workers as you can be, and effectively just become the workers. Because unionizing in a cooperative basically just means unionizing against yourself. <laughs> but working towards a proper economic democracy would be the great way to go. Now what do I believe needs to be done in the immediate? Well at bare minimum a $4 immediate raise wouldn't be bad. 
especially since that seems to be going on around the country. And if the company is sincere about wanting to increase wages for workers and be able to increase it properly in a way that's going to be best for us, then it only makes sense. Not only that, but all through this pandemic, we've been suffering pretty damn hard. Give us a little bit of a break. Come on. Additionally, the company has been pretty lax on mask mandates, and that's another thing that's been really irking the union and such. Now, we're getting a little bit rambly here and a little off track, but I think we've kind of made our message clear at this point. So if you made it to this point, congratulations. We're pretty much cutting the episode off here before we get too much into a ramble. I hope you learned a little bit something about our negotiations and a little bit on what's going on and why we are going out to strike tomorrow. Please don't cross any pickets. That's how you show them to stick it. Yeah, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? (laughs) Show them where to stick it. Don't cross a picket. And if you favor us, wish us luck. If you oppose us, well, screw you. I deserve a living. (laughs) I deserve a proper living, too. Um, Have a great night. Uh, Thanks for listening. And for those who do not wish to be tread on, they should mind where they step. Have a great night and a pleasant tomorrow.